Hello, and welcome back to the Economic Review. As you've probably all heard, Social Security is on a collision course with bankruptcy. Increasing life expectancies, declining birth rates, and widespread mismanagement has driven one of the most secure, well-funded, and reliable social programs into a disastrous shortfall. Social Security was first enacted in 1935 by President Franklin D. Roosevelt as a social safety net that provided retirees and the elderly with a monthly payment so that they could support themselves. However, these payments were not like every other entitlement program. Instead, people that were working would be required to pay a certain portion of their income into the Social Security Administration's fund. They would then use these payments to finance the Social Security payments to current beneficiaries. When you would retire, having paid into Social Security your whole life, your payments would then be funded by the current taxpayers. This way, it resembles a savings account, wherein you pay into it for a certain period and then receive the money at the end. Additionally, the older you are when you choose to start receiving benefits, the more you will receive. Although it sounds simple and straightforward, numerous complications prevent this system from running as smoothly as it was intended to. The first problem with Social Security is that the program has not aged well. According to census data from when Social Security was implemented, the average person that reached the age of 65 lived to 74. Today, the average person that reaches the age of 65 lives to approximately 83. That means that people receive Social Security for a significantly longer period of time than when Social Security was first implemented. Additionally, the birth rate in the U.S. has been declining overall for decades, which means that we have an aging population. In 1935, there were over 150 working-age people for every person receiving Social Security, as compared to just under three people for every Social Security, reci Social Security recipient as of 2017. That decline in the number of people working as compared to the number of recipients means the program has incurred significant financial problems because it cannot operate like it did when it was implemented. These problems have become more and more prominent, and for many years, the Social Security Administration has been paying out more than it receives. In 2020, the Social Security Administration estimated that by 2035, it would be exhausted if no changes were made. The concept of Social Security makes sense in theory. Current workers pay for current retirees, and then when the workers themselves become retirees, the current workers will pay for them. However, this can only work if the ratio of workers to beneficiaries remains above a certain level, which due to lower birth rates and longer life expectancies, it has not. Unfortunately, this problem is just going to grow if current trends continue, as they're likely to do. If the birth rate continues to decline and the life expectancies con continues to rise, then we will face a further exacerbation of the financial problems that Social Security is facing. Currently, the Social Security tax rate is 6.2%, which is matched equally by your employer. That means that if you start working at 22 until you are 65 and earn the median income of about 31000 over your career, you and your employer would pay a combined $165,000 by the time you retire. When you retire, you will receive under 60, just under 16500 a year in benefits. Assuming you live to the median age for someone that has reached 65 years of age, you would live for another 18 years. 
This means that for the average person, Social Security would pay $132,000 more than you paid into the system. At the current ratio, there are approximately three workers for every beneficiary, which means that to support payments of $16,500 a year, those three workers would need to be earning at least $45,000 each every single year, which is nearly 145% of the median income. When looking at the figures, it becomes immediately apparent that Social Security costs far more than it can bring in. While this model is oversimplified and relies on an extrapolation of medians, it gives us an idea of where the problem lies. However, Social Security is not doomed to failure and bankruptcy. At least, not yet. There are plenty of solutions to address the financial issues that the Social Security Administration faces. The most obvious solution that has been proposed is that if Social Security needs more money, they could just cut benefits, increase taxes, and raise the minimum age to receive benefits. This idea, although it could solve the problem if the changes were significant enough, it would significantly decrease the quality of Social Security by having people pay more to receive less. Alternatively, a privatized solution could be adopted. If the average person and his employer that we used in the previous example paid the same amount into a savings plan such as a 401k at an annual return rate of about 6.5%, by the time you retire, you would have made approximately $455,000 adjusted for inflation, or enough to pay just over $25,000 a year until the life expectancy of 83. If, if 401ks were made mandatory as a replacement for Social Security, then the returns would increase and the deficit would be addressed. As you can see almost immediately, such a solution, if well executed, has the potential to solve the financial issues that Social Security faces. Of course, the government will still need to maintain some sort of smaller program for retirees that do not have enough to support themselves. Overall, however, the benefits of switching to a private, personal retirement savings plan for everyone could benefit not only the economy, but also increase the standard of living for retirees while simultaneously alleviating the financial problems that the Social Security Administration faces. It's a win-win scenario where retirement is bettered, the cost is lowered. Another thing we have to remember is that by privatizing Social Security and infusing additional hundreds of billions of dollars every year into stocks and bonds, we would cause the economy to boom. It would inevitably shoot stock prices through the roof and lead to job creation and higher wages. The positive effects of the privatization of Social Security would be felt not just by retirees, but by every single American. Unfortunately, there is one thing standing between the American people and repairing Social Security. Democracy. The privatization of Social Security has proven to be politically unviable. When President Bush tried to implement Social Security privatization in 2005, the effort failed miserably as it could not get the bipartisan political support that it required. This just goes to show that how common, how common sense programs that can benefit everyone can be rejected purely for political purposes. In the 2020 Democratic primary election, many presidential candidates actually came out in favor of expanding Social Security. Candidates talked about a donut Social Security tax system to fund such an expansion. As of 2020, there are no Social Security taxes owed on income above $137,700. A donut tax would essentially mean that the current limit, after the current limit, incomes would be Social Security tax-free, but only up to a certain threshold, after which it would become taxable again. 
For example, under Joe Biden's plan, this amount would be $400,000, which means that if you earn a million dollars annually, you and your employer will pay 12.4% on the first $137,700, no social security taxes up to the $400,000, and then a further 12.4% on the last $600,000. They propose that this would fix the problems with social security and even be enough to expand benefits. However, in this scenario, the numbers just simply do not add up. The Congressional Research Service already looked into such a system comprehensively and concluded that the donut-style tax that is being proposed could not even fix the current shortfall, let alone coming close to funding an expansion of it. If we look at the findings from the study, if Joe Biden's plan was implemented and the donut threshold was placed at $400,000, it would only fix 67% of the 75-year shortfall. This means that even with higher taxes, we would not be anywhere near fixing the problem. So even without an increase in benefits, a donut tax would not be able to fix the shortfall that the Social Security Administration faces. In addition to being ineffective for the purposes of funding and the expansion of Social Security, such a plan would be detrimental to the economy. According to an analysis done by the Wharton School of Business of Joe Biden's plan to expand Social Security, the GDP would reduce by 0.6% by 2030 due to a distortion of the labor supply caused by the new payroll taxes as well as the decrease in capital formation. Although it may seem like increasing taxes to pay for more Social Security is a good idea, in reality, not only would it be insufficient to fund the proposed expansion in the long run, but it would also put an unnecessary burden on the economy, harming businesses and workers alike. When the proposal is looked at from an economic standpoint, it falls flat on its face. But if looked at from a political standpoint, then it makes a lot of sense to call for increases to Social Security. According to the Social Security Administration, approximately 65 million people will receive Social Security benefits in 2020. By promising to expand Social Security, politicians are essentially promising to increase the incomes of tens of millions of voters. Regardless of the economic viability, such a proposal is bound to be very popular politically. For 66% of retirees, Social Security is their primary source of income, which means their very livelihood depends on it. Making such a promise will inevitably appeal to many such people. However, we must remember that what is promised is not always what's possible. Even with the plans that have been proposed, expanding Social Security and fixing its problems solely by increasing taxes on people with high incomes is not currently possible. The tolls of such a plan, if successfully enacted, would take on the economy would be detrimental to many businesses. Yet, if we continue to allow such politicians to win based on unrealistic proposals that have little likelihood of coming into effect, we only stand to diminish, diminish our own political system. Thank you for listening to the Economic Review. We'll be back soon with the latest.